Hey everyone, in case you haven't noticed, we live in some very confusing, challenging, and changing times. It sure isn't easy following Jesus in 2022. How can we stay grounded in our faith, stay true to biblical convictions, and how can we become more like Christ and share Him with the lost and hurting world around us? This is Real Christian Talk with Pastor Steve. Welcome, and thank you for joining me on this episode of Real Christian Talk. Is the gospel relevant in 2022? I mean, after all, aren't we living in a basically post-Christian society? Does the Bible still hold relevant answers to the deepest questions of mankind? Has the church all but lost its influence, and should we be willing to perhaps minimize or add to the message in order to connect with our audience? These are all pertinent questions that I believe each of us individually as believers of Jesus and as a part of the church at large are wrestling with and are asking, how do we get the attention of this generation? How do we stay relevant? How do we restore the kind of influence that that the Judeo-Christian faith and its values seem to used to have in this country? The reality is that yes, our culture has become increasingly hostile to the Judeo-Christian faith. And yes, the reality also is that in today's world, there's all kinds of competition for people's attention. And the reality is also that the church has lost a lot of its standing. It has lost a lot of its respect in our society. And it's also true that its influence over the particularly younger minds has been greatly waning and each successive generation over the last several decades in American history has been less and less religiously inclined and and more and more opting to, to either refer to themselves as a part of no religion at all or atheist and agnostic. And yet, even with all these challenges, I would put forward here in this episode today that the gospel of Jesus Christ remains the most relevant message And yes, I believe the church is called to use that message for its influence and not worry about trying to adapt it to somehow win over the attention of this generation. The passage that I'd like to refer to for this episode comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, which simply says this, And I, when I came to you, brethren, I did not come to you proclaiming the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The great Apostle Paul, who was used by God, saved, used, and transformed to help win countless to Christ. He helped spread the gospel and plant many churches. He was used by God to under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, write most of our New Testament. And yet, with that simple message that he put forward there in the passage I just read to you, I do wonder if the Apostle Paul, were he ministering today in 2022, would do well in terms of being popular. I don't know if he'd have much of a following on Instagram or Facebook if that is simply what he stuck to. The Apostle Paul was saying, to put it simply, that the message of Jesus Christ is the center of what he came to bring. And he was not interested in trying to add anything to that, but rather to let the message of Jesus Christ stand on its own, 
because it remains just as much in his generation as relevant as it has throughout history. And that is the case for us. All of this got me thinking about an episode I saw recently from the TV show The Crown, which is a Netflix series that's uh, about the reign of Queen Elizabeth. And uh, I've always found it a very fascinating show to watch. And, and there was one episode particularly that caught my interest. And it and it's fictional. Let me just make that abundantly clear. The Crown is is a fictional series loosely based on the lives of the royal family. But in one particular episode that takes place during the moon landing in July of 1969, when the first th- uh, astronauts landed on the moon, Prince Philip is in the middle of a midlife crisis. At least that's, to put it succinctly, that's basically what he was going through. And this midlife crisis drove him to a deep inner depression where he felt absolutely empty, where life seemed absolutely meaningless, and he was longing for purpose. And all the while this was happening, he had a new minister who happened to be uh, uh, ministering to the royal family, and he had just started a, a new retreat center for other fellow ministers to get together and talk about philosophy and, and religion and and morality and all these things. And this minister, throughout the episode, attempts to engage with Prince Philip, but Prince Philip, he, he kind of uh, shows a great disdain for religion and, and, and views it almost as irrelevant. He didn't quite say it like that, but that's certainly his perspective. It's almost like, it's almost like you know, you guys just want to talk about these philosophical religious ideas Meanwhile, he points to the astronauts landing on the moon and and he looks to science to try and and find the answers for those deep questions. And so through the episode, his focus is on the astronauts and and the moon landing. And the queen gets an opportunity to have the astronauts, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin and and, uh, and, and, and I forget the other guy's name, (laughs) but, but, uh, you know, to bring those astronauts to, to meet with them. And so Prince Philip is excited. He, he puts together these index cards. He wants to have a private meeting with them. And he, he writes on the index cards, you know, the deep questions of life that he wants to ask them. So then when he finally gets an opportunity to meet with them and they sit down and they talk, they, they uh, immediately uh, pop the balloon of his expectations. He almost viewed these men as semi-godlike. But the truth was they were they were three scrawny, looking guys who were battling colds and were more interested in learning about the palace than than uh, answering the deep questions of life and existence from their experience of going on the moon. In the end, Prince Philip actually does go to that retreat center, actually does sit in the circle with those, with those uh, ministers, and he bears his soul and he finally opens up about the fact that he knows that he is empty and he is struggling to find purpose and he wants to find God. And I love that episode because it captures, I believe, how we can we compete in this world with all kinds of things to meet the inner needs that all of us have. We live in a world that has all kinds of competing philosophies and religious ideas and and we have all kinds of messages in our culture that are that are being shoved down our throats and and we have technology and all kinds of of mechanisms to try and and, and all kinds of avenues to try and, and fill up our souls and fill the vacuum in our souls 
with those things, those intangible things that ultimately only God can really provide. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes that God has put eternity in the heart of man. That means that all of us as human beings, regardless of of where we come from, uh, regardless of what our belief system was, we all do long for the same things. All of us long to be loved with an unfailing, unconditional love. All of us long to have meaning and purpose. All of us ultimately want significance. And it's only through a relationship with our Creator that we're really going to find and experience those intangible things. But that doesn't stop us from, from looking around and looking at, at the various you know, sources of, of, of answers to those big questions. And then in the end, we come to realize, oh wait, maybe the Bible did have it right. Maybe there really is a God. Maybe I've been looking for him all along and I just didn't even realize it. You see, the church of Jesus Christ has been entrusted with the gospel, with the message of hope and of salvation. It's referred to in the, in the scriptures as the good news. If there is one thing, whether you're, you're to, the, to the right politically or you're to the left politically and ideologically, if there is one thing, uh, regardless of, of, of who you vote for, regardless of your belief system, your lifestyle, your socioeconomic status, if there is one thing everybody can agree on, it's that we could use more good news. We could use more good news. We're over halfway through 2022 now. We're getting towards the to, to the to the uh, bottom innings of of this year, and it has yet again been another year of a lot of a lot of negativity, a lot of hate, a lot of fear, a lot of gloom and doom, a lot of negativity, a lot of bad headlines. When I was at the gym earlier today, I saw on the TV they were showing polls, and again. If there's one thing everybody agrees on, it's that we're going in the wrong direction. The thing is, though, there's only one one solution to all of our problems. And no, it's not going to lie in politics. It's not going to lie in in lifestyle. It's not going to lie in finding pleasure through this or through that relationship. It's not going to lie in and and getting significance through our uh, career accomplishments. It's it's not going to lie in any of those things that that we could do or have. It's it's it lies in our Creator. It lies in Jesus. It lies in the good news, the gospel, the message we have been entrusted with. And yet, even as we we see what's going on in our world. We see how how writing God and Christianity off as irrelevant is, is certainly tempting for our society. And, and we see all kinds of trends that indicate we're living in a time like that. Much like in the 1960s when, when Time Magazine declared, Is God Dead? on the cover. Or, or, or who can forget when John Lennon of the Beatles said that, that the Beatles were bigger than Jesus ever was. And we kind of see those, those, those writings on the wall now with declining church attendance. And, 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 and we see it, you know, since COVID and the pandemic only exacerbated those things. The church was not viewed as, as essential. And that plays on us psychologically. And so we could be tempted to think 
that we got to do something to get everybody's attention and maybe sticking to this 2,000 year old message of, of Jesus Christ and God so loved the world that he gave his only son and, and that he's the way, the truth, and the life and that, and that there's hope and there's life and there's light and there's love in Christ. Maybe, maybe we need to add something to that. Maybe that's not enough in and of itself anymore. Or maybe this part offends or that part offends. So we should get rid of it. As St. Augustine once said, if I only believe the parts of the gospel that I like, well, then it's myself that I believe and not in the gospel that I believe. No, the gospel of Jesus Christ is just as relevant, just as needed, if not even more so in the times in which we are living in. I recently had a conversation about how does the church stay relevant? How can we stay relevant? And, and we all have different ideas as to, as to maybe what's wrong. Maybe what's wrong where it all went wrong was, was, was the decline of, of prayer in schools or, or, or court cases that, that of, of issues that matter a lot to those of us who are evangelical conservative Christians. Maybe, maybe that's where it started. Or maybe it's when, you know, our candidates that we like, you know, didn't win office or, or when the way of the aftermath of this election played out or that election. And that's where it happened. And that's where everything went wrong. And so maybe what we need to do is marshal up more focus to be on, on this or on that. And yet the centrality of the gospel has to always be what we are about. Because contrary to to how things may look or, or seem, I would venture to say that Gen Z is just as needing the gospel of Jesus Christ as the boomers were or as Gen X is. The gospel of Christ is what the church has been entrusted with. And it's a message that even now to this day in many countries in the world is banned, boycotted, you go to jail or you're arrested if you dare speak and proclaim it. And yet for 2,000 years, this is the message, the good news of Jesus, the good news of salvation, the hope that is there in Christ, the transformation that can come through a relationship with Christ, the ultimate solution to all of our problems still is Jesus and Jesus alone. We cannot shrink back from declaring the whole message, the whole counsel of God, including those parts that step on our toes, including those parts that may offend. But on the same token, we also, we also cannot, uh, cannot get sidetracked by the various things which maybe we're tempted to believe are necessary in order to win hearts and minds, in order to win the attention of this generation that we are seeking. Sometimes we think that we need to add gimmicks and that has to be our focus. Sometimes we think we need to, to cater to consumerism and, and have a culture, a church culture that's geared to consumerism. How did that work out for us after COVID? How did that work out for us during COVID? If the church is all about fitting into this mode of, of, of consumerism, and that's our mentality, where the church is just something I go to to receive, and I'm not part of actively, and I'm not giving back. I'm not, I'm just getting and receiving. I'm not giving. If that's your mentality, well, that's, that's probably why you haven't been back to church in the last two years. Because you're, you're okay with being a couch potato watching it online, because 
well, hey, I'm getting what I need. And yet that is a far cry from what the church is supposed to be like. Maybe we need to, sometimes we think maybe we need to compromise the gospel. Maybe we need to tweak it a little bit. I mean, this part might be offensive in in 2022, or or that part might be offensive. I mean, this whole concept of hell and eternity, I don't know about that. That's not going to fly very well in this culture, or or Jesus being the only way to salvation. That's not very politically correct. Or if you really want to get in trouble, what? That's what the Bible teaches about sexuality and gender? Well, I don't think that's going to fly. We're going to get boycotted and banned from Twitter. I mean, that's the world we're living in, and yet the gospel is not ours to mess with, so we shouldn't be messing with it. Or sometimes we think maybe we need to marry the gospel with politics, and we need to get more more directly politically involved, and I think voting is important, and being engaged in politics is important, but if you look in church history, every time the church is married to political power, it leads to problems for the authenticity of the church's witness. It leads to compromise. It leads to forgetting that that the great and ultimate call of God is to take up our cross, deny ourselves, and follow him. The ultimate call of God is to love our neighbor as ourself. And if you continue to demonize your neighbor, if you continue to hate your neighbor, if you continue to uh, be angry at your neighbor, and you see your neighbor as the enemy... How are you going to effectively carry out the Great Commission and love them as Jesus loves them and share the truth of the gospel in love with them? It is one thing for us living in 2022, individually as Christians and in our culture, it is one thing to evaluate and see, okay, maybe maybe this method for how we, we worship or this method for how we do church or this method... For, for how, whether that's song genres, whether that's technology, you know, whether that, any of those things to be evaluated and upgraded, there's nothing wrong with that. Evaluating how you proclaim the message is one thing, but messing with the message you're sending in and of itself, now that is dangerous. And if we are worried that we are losing ground And so we need to do this or we need to do that or we need to be about this or we need to be about that. I would put forward to you here in this episode, what we need to be about is the gospel of Jesus Christ. What we need to be about is his kingdom and what his heart is for this generation. And his heart and what he is doing is the same thing he's been doing since the dawn of history and he will continue to do. And that is to reconcile people to himself through Jesus Christ. And Jesus has not yet come to take the church up out of here because there are still people who need to hear the message. There are still people who need the gospel. The good news of hope and of salvation, of forgiveness, of transformation through a heart-filling, life-changing relationship with their creator through his son, Jesus Christ, who died for their sins, who was raised from the dead physically, and who can now live in each and every heart that is willing to open their heart and let him in. That is the message that needs to be at the forefront, not the background of what we are about. Because that, and only that, is what's going to save souls. It's what's going to change lives.
And too often, I see Christians that are more focused on this issue, or they're more focused on this, or they're more focused about this, or they take this approach. And all I'm trying to put forward here in this episode is, and you wouldn't believe what I went through just to record this one. There is an enemy who does not want you and I to be about sharing the gospel. There is an enemy who does not want for people to get saved, who does not want you and I to be about what is as relevant today as it was 2,000 years ago, and that is the life-changing message of hope in salvation in Jesus Christ. The enemy wants you and I to be distracted. He wants you and I to compromise. He wants you and I to do anything and everything except stick to the message that we should be known for. And yes, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. And it's not going to win it. We're not going to win any popularity contest by spreading the gospel. But remember, Paul also said, but it's the power of God for those who are saved. It is the power of God for those who are saved. In Romans 1.16, the apostle Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for my salvation. It's the power of God. Nothing, nothing can take the place of the gospel of Christ. The church must be on mission. The church must be the salt of the earth, preserving the truth and living lives that are, that are different, that are set apart before those in the world that are watching us. We must be the light of the world, not hiding that light, but living that light. And Matthew 5, 16 says, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good deeds and praise your father in heaven. We need to live lives each and every day that testify to the goodness and the faithfulness and the uh, wonder and all that is Jesus in our lives. We must be about proclaiming the whole counsel of God. We need to be displaying true Christ-centered unity because boy, does the world need unity. And the church is called to show that unity. The church is called to love one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. We may have different personalities, different gifts, different preferences, different genres, different uh, different ideas about things, even different opinions on, on secondary issues that are not what I would consider to be black and white biblical pillar issues. And yet we must be the picture of what Christian love and unity looks like to the world around us. That is just as relevant now as it was 2,000 years ago. We need to show Christ one person at a time. One person at a time to those who are around us. It's got to be the gospel. The gospel. I'll end with just uh, sharing this story. Every time I have, uh, I'm not one to go out on the street and, and street preach much, but I had joined an evangelist who does it the right way. He doesn't get with a bullhorn and yell, you're all born going to burn in hell. No, he, 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 uh, he shares the gospel, but he does it in love. He does it pleading the way that Paul in 2 Corinthians tells us we should. And every time I've gone with him, and his team, it's amazing because you realize you're on the front lines of spiritual warfare. And I remember one time just seeing the power of God at work. He would always start off with 
you know, doing a trivia game and he would give a dollar to each person and answer the right question. And then gradually he'd, he'd get to the point where he'd insert the gospel and he'd start sharing the good news of Jesus. And I, and all of us that were there to help him were, were kind of watching and, and then we're after his, his gospel presentation, we would, we would talk and pray with anyone who wanted to have a prayer and to follow up with him to talk more. And I remember as he was sharing the gospel, at one point people were walking by because we're we're on a, a busy area in a big city that, that's near me. And I remember one couple that was walking by all of a sudden stopped and looked and heard what was being said. And their eyes, if you could have seen their eyes, they were just fixated, drawn, hinging on every word that was being said from the pastor. And they got watery in their in their eyes. They got teary and and they looked at each other and they and they looked like stunned in shock. After the presentation, we we talked with them and it turned out they both had had dealt with a really rough bout with with drug addiction and and they had rough lives and they were talking about how they both wanted to get right with God. They believed that there was a God, but they didn't know who that God is and how they could become right with him and how they could know him and and they literally had this conversation just an hour before. And then they walked by when the pastor was preaching the gospel. They just accepted Jesus. They gave their hearts to him. And the team followed up with them and they got plugged into a good Christ-following Bible-preaching church. That's the power of the gospel for salvation. And it's just as needed and it will always be relevant. I end this episode by encouraging each of you as the Apostle Paul did in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 verses 13 through 14. Stand firm in your faith and let everything that you do be done in love. God bless.